Welcome to Rumor Flies. I'm Josh. I'm Ryan. And I am Greg. And we are here with another Snapple Facts based episode for you guys today. Crack one open. <laughs> they haven't sponsored what us yet. That's what you have to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they need to sponsor us, by the way. We've been doing this too often to not have any sort of sponsorship. And by sponsorship, I mean just send us free Snapple. Pretty sure. I'm not we said saying... like 20% of their stuff is bullshit. But <laughs> sure. Well, I'm not we're saying. We're going to add to that today. Oh. <laughs> Don't harass. Snapple on Twitter. Don't harass Snapple on Twitter about getting them to sponsor us. Reverse psychology. I Don't like harass them. <laughs> Listen, rumor mill. If you're listening, is that what we're calling it now? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, if you're not? listening, I would love to get. <laughs> I'm not, someone rid me of this meddlesome priest. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not saying that I I and really enjoy diet peach Snapple. I'm not saying it. I'm saying I love it. People are saying. Yeah. yeah. Word, <laughs> word on the street. Yeah. So we're going to kick off another Snapple Facts episode today. Um, is there any announcements we need to make before jumping into it? Uh, I don't know of any at the moment. No. So I'm really excited to announce my new dubstep album. Um, it's I'm really excited <sighs> okay, about the side so... project. And... <laughs> oh, dubstep. Um, I guess I'll kick us off and go first. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to be talking. Wait, wait, wait. Explain to the people what Snapple is if it's their first time listening. Well, it's a really fruity drink. It's really good. It quenches my thirst. I prefer the diet peach without we establish this. Okay. Um, so when you drink a Snapple, you pop off the top. There's a little Snapple factoid underneath it. And uh, Ryan and I did this as, as we children. Uh, we drank them all the time. And we were talking one day and it, it served as inspiration for the episode. And uh, we took it one step further now and we researched some of these facts. We were very loved and very popular as kids. Let, let me, let me amend this story. Facts. It was my idea. No, that doesn't count. It was 1,000% my idea. That doesn't count. Does not count. Um, so we researched. I think y'all were talking about, though, Diet Peach Snapple. He, oh, still, calls it, he still calls it Snapple, though. <laughs> Snapple. Snapple. <laughs> so uh, we decided to research some of these Snapple facts, and uh, now we determine whether they're bullshit or not. And uh, Greg said the number's at 20%. I think it's a little higher. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we'll let you guys be the judge of that. So, first Snapple fact that I'm going to be talking about today is Snapple fact number 1,375. There have been three Olympic Games held in countries that no longer exist. All right, this one's a pretty easy one to research. Uh, given that, okay, this episode, I've had a few where it's just like, I threw my hands up. Really? Some of my facts, yeah. Um. I, I was actually pretty clear cut for a lot of mine. I'm, I'm, I was very lucky. I guess I got the easy batch. All right. How about these non-countries? Um, so, well, that's what I want to start talking talking about. Is It's technically true, but I don't want it to seem like it was Pangea and all of a sudden it just floated away and it got lost somewhere. These were still countries and they're still part of countries today. They're just not recognized as countries like they well, are. Yeah, today. it's not like the landmass disappeared. Well, I just want to make that stipulation, you know, because I can see where that might get misconstrued by somebody. Also, something on Snapple's uh, a little issue that I have with them is that they make some of their claims so nebulous to confirm. Oh, absolutely. Like they could have provided a little bit more information. There's three countries that don't exist anymore the Olympics happen in. Okay, you want to just like. It should just be like, buy another Snapple to find out which countries. <laughs> yeah. You know, they could have gotten three fucking facts out of that. I, I they feel... could have said, like, the Olympics were held in this country, which doesn't exist anymore. Right. Two more bottle caps and have it with that. I feel like the, the JoJo's music needs to play at the end. You know, the to be continued. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you ahead of time. Okay. Does Czechoslovakia come into play here? No. Okay. I think. Interesting. I, I, my money down was I was going to be like number one. Really? Uh, you're not far off. Yugoslavia. Ah. Ah, yeah. So the three That's countries. That's got a whole fascinating history in itself. Uh, yeah. So we had the 1984 Winter Winter Olympics were held in Sarajevo, Yugoslavia. Sarajevo. I, Sarajevo. I, I like my way better. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Yugoslavia hasn't been a country. This How colonial of you. podcast, Josh. It you can't matter. have it your way. <laughs> How colonial of you. Ah, uh, fuck off. All right. <laughs> Go back to France. It was funnier the second time. <laughs> Yugoslavia hasn't been a country since 1992, and how are we saying it? Sar Sarajevo. Sarajevo. Sa yeah, okay. that's the city. Sara Lee. Hey, <laughs> uh, yeah, that place is now part of Bosnia and Herzegovina. Am I saying that? Herzegovina. Herzegovina. I, just, I have no idea. They're, they have a. Uh, I see him. Who's she? Oh, Herzegovina. I see him playing in like uh, FIFA qualifying matches, and I just call it Bosnia for sure. I short. think it's Herzegovina is the 
correct way to say it. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know how to say anything. So that was the 1984 Winter Olympics. The 1992 Summer Olympics. Herzegovina. Well, Sorry, I'm really I think, thinking about I think it, it is Herzegovina, but you, I'm you not positive, right. to be honest. That, yeah, that sounded right. Because much more intelligent people have said it, and that sounds right. We should just have a spinoff podcast where we try to pronounce things. I think it would be crematory, more like... Crematory? It's a game yeah. show. Yeah. Like, you just put up a word... And then we have to read it out. And then someone's going to get real cute there and be like... There might need to be a visual aspect to that. Well, someone's going to get real cute and be like, what's this word? I'd be like, Chapatula. Suck it. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I don't know. We do call it Burgundy Street here. And there are people that reference one street as CL10 when it's clearly Cleo. Cleo. Yeah. Um, there was the 1972 Summer Olympics were held in West Germany, which was reunited with its own country, uh, with the other side of its country in so the So West and East Germany were considered two different countries at yes. one point? Yes, they were. Okay, so that might sound ignorant of me, but I did not know, you know? Yeah, no, I um, I knew that they were recognized as East and West Germany. I didn't know so much to the extent that they would have the Olympic Games specifically in West Germany. That okay. actually, even, I, yeah, I was, I'm a little surprised. Yeah, um, and it's... Kind of spooky that a president who wanted to tear down a wall the first go round, uh, and now we're not there anymore. Anyway, it, interestingly enough, how the turntables. There is a um, piece of equipment at my old lab that I worked at that actually we have a centrifuge that's so old it says built in West Germany. Does it really? Mm-hmm. Still nice. runs too. Um, and the last one was the 1980 Summer Olympics held in the Soviet Union. So that was pretty obvious. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't think I really need to explain a whole hell of a lot more than that. But so yeah, it's technically true. So good job on you, Snapple. Um, but it's it's silly though because it just makes it seem a lot more. Uh, I don't know, like sneaky. You know, I don't consider to me that I don't consider that to be a country that doesn't exist anymore. I consider that to be a change in government. Well, that's more of what this was is, is changes in government than as opposed to. But part of what I find the fun country. of it though is well, that Greg, it what becomes, does USSR stand for? Uh, United uh, States of the Soviet Republic, right? Gonna, is this a trick question? No. <clears throat> oh, Union of Soviet Socialist Republic. No, the United States of the Soviet Republic. <laughs> Union of Soviet Socialist Republic. So it wasn't called Russia during that time. Russia was a country in the USSR. Yeah. Okay. So, oh, it's kind of like the... Uh, the Ukraine was the USSR. The U- it's like the UK. Yes. It's like so, yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah, and uh, but the UK, there is a lot more autonomy in individual nations than there were in the USSR. The UK is very much like... Actually, the UK is a lot more interesting because there's like the British Isles, the UK, England. Like there's like a very like weird, Great Britain. Yeah, it's a very strange. The North Ireland. There's like eight divisions of that area. Yeah, that's a good point too. Um, but yeah, but I think what's kind of fun about this topic is that if you read that, especially if you're like just some person drinking a Snapple, it becomes a launch point for conversation, right? So that, it becomes like, oh, oh, right. We've had all these governments change up and stuff. And so there's like countries that literally places were hosted that technically don't exist anymore. There's no president. There's no government. There's no like, it's it's like Yugoslavia was a failed experiment. It literally doesn't exist anymore. It's a bunch of countries now. It was much more recent than- That was I, the 90s. I, all three of them <laughs> happened in the 90s. Yeah. All three of them Well, were, not the Soviet Union. Well, no, but I'm saying like all three of them were uh, re- not, I'm trying to think of the word for They were it. during the Cold War? Yeah. That's probably a better way to put it. So- Meh. Um, I think it's funny. This is a really good point. You know, if you're going to go on like a blind date or do a Tinder match or do dating, realign is the word, bring some Snapples with you and y'all can (laughs) have conversation starters. And also I think Snapple just is like a little bit of like, uh, a little like kink in the armor is they just throw a couple of very controversial statements in there. Uh, about, very like, ambiguous about too. like like either gender or wage equality like certain little <laughs> facts on there like one of them's like this one's brought to you by Prager U and then afterwards you can really find out how you feel about this person by how they react to that uh, that little fact you know what here's a little dating pro tip from me all right get you some Snapple go to Costco pop open a Snapple get some conversation going some dollar dogs get get you some free samples Go get you a Coke and a hot dog for $2 or whatever it is. Dollar dogs, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. So give it a try. Just saying. Take your hinge date there. I don't know what you're doing these days. Anyway. I guess it can only go uphill from there if they decide <laughs> to even continue. Take your Fortnite date there. <laughs> oh, go floss in the aisle. Anyway, go, Ryan. I'm cutting that. I, we're not going to have any of that in here, okay? Keep it. All right, Ryan, you're next up. I have a fucking Fortnite poster in my in the recording studio right now because Alex came up yeah, here. I dusted. Yeah, I, I, fuck it. if anybody doesn't know, this is completely not germane to the rest of the podcast, but West anybody Germany, doesn't know, West Germany. me, Carlene, and Alex have been trying to <laughs> fool each other by placing minion-related stuff in each other's pockets, bags, or any other thing while we're not looking. Let me let me stop you right there. 
How did you expect this not to blow up in your face? I mean, I did. But at the same okay. rate, I, I just got to accept it. Started changing people's um, hashtags on Instagram. Yeah, like thanks for that, by the way. Fr- Appreciate oh. you doing that for Oh, me. which ones were you following? I don't know. I wouldn't, I, I Did can't... I get Dave Matthews for you? You did. Okay. You did get Dave Matthews. <laughs> anyway, now... Oh, yeah, I remember doing that. Dollar <laughs> <laughs> dicks. Now I have a Minecraft poster and a Fortnite calendar in the studio, and I am just, I guess, not taking it down. Whatever. I don't care. So anyway, uh, you're done with that one? Yeah, go ahead, Ryan. Snapple fact number 1263. 1263. The only thing that can scratch diamond is a diamond. I have heard that. That is something. I've heard that as well. I've, I've heard that. That's one I time. feel like we would have come up on our own, actually. That's yeah. one of the few Snapple facts I'm like, oh, that's like actually a pretty good one. And it, why did it take 12,262 of them to get to that? Because that's pretty Whatever it is. 1,200. Yes. So this is an actually very interesting Snapple fact because I'm going to need you guys to come in and give a little bit of your opinion on whether this is true or not. Oh, no. Uh, and also, Josh, yours was definitely true. It's a tarp. Oh, yeah, yeah. My, I'm sorry. Yeah, I thought I said that. I apology. Um, so this is semi-relevant to an episode that I did with uh, Dottori Bellordo on Blaster Podcast recently. Ryan's a hat boy. Yeah, so we talk, <laughs> I talked about semiconductors on there and, more importantly, transistors. It's a very fun episode. Uh, Dottori is a handful to keep up with on a podcast, but I somehow managed to pull it off. Uh, if you want to get some, if you want to get some learn and not hear me be completely stupid, just go ahead and listen to that episode. Anyway, so we're going to talk about diamonds in particular. Now, do you guys know what diamonds are made of? Foreverness. Mm. Coal, right? Is it compressed <laughs> yeah, coal? Coal. Yeah. Carbon is the carbon. Word sorry, compressed uh, yeah, carbon. I mean, yeah. sorry. But yes, coal, carbon. Uh, even you can just say graphite. You know, uh-huh. uh, pencil lead. Even yeah, though it's yeah. Technically graphite. Um, so the reason why there is such a broad uh, makeup or difference in different forms of carbon is because they are called allotropes. And this mm-hmm. is uh, the things that I just mentioned: diamonds, coal, graphite. All these things are made up strictly of carbon, aside from a few impurities that give gemstones their general, uh, in, like their colors. That's impurities that are in there. And it affects their value as well. Yes. If you've ever been wedding ring shopping, you'll know all about these. Well, no, some impurities are desirable. Like if you right, want a yellow right. one, there's I didn't a- mean it in a bad way, but you'll, you'll find out like about all the- That's actually a really fascinating thing I'd love to go into is what- makes a diamond more valuable or not, like, going into those impurities. That's a really cool thing that I remember going through when I bought my wife's wedding ring. Um, we could get into the topic of diamond trade, but I really did not come prepared for that one. That'd I be mean, really fun to do, though. Let's see if we can get Leonardo DiCaprio. He made a really good movie about it. Let's see what he has to say. And so did Pierce Bronson. No, Diamonds Are Forever was not Pierce Bronson. I thought it was. Is it? I, I don't, don't know. think so. Greg? First fact no, checker. No, 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 They had that episode. They had James that one- Bond, Diamonds Are Forever. They had that guy in Tomorrow Never Dies that had all the diamonds in his face because they exploded in his that face. Was and he so couldn't stupid. feel shit. Yeah, yeah, it was dumb. Doesn't matter. What was so, the question from Diamonds Are Forever? Who was James Bond? Roger Daltrey. So while he's looking that up, we're going to go back to the diamond the topic. Yeah. So. I was going to say, I was, it's Sean Connery. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, Carbon- I, was say, I, was like, I was like, I think it's Sean Connery, but if. We yeah, didn't know. It is. Diamond, charcoal, and lead or graphite, I'm sorry, are three different allotropes in chemical and physical terms. Now, an allotrope is the same element. It's just arranged differently. Like, these molecules are arranged differently in the same physical state. So they're all solid. But if you look at different, uh, let's say, carbon atoms, Mm -hmm. it's the way you arrange them. Now, the way graphite works is it's in a, they like to say, honeycomb shape, where it's multiple layers of these honeycomb shapes where they have different bonds of carbon with them. Okay. And it's pretty much a hexagonal one with just six carbons, and each one is connected to three others, mm-hmm. essentially. And it just makes this big lattice of, you know, hexagons. And the way graphite works is there are many sheets of these that are, inter- that are like, laid on top of each other. Mm-hmm. And the reason why graphite is so soft is because these sheets don't bond to the other carbons that are below them or above them. They just slide along each other. That's why graphite is so brittle. Charcoal is a little bit different. It's a little bit more, um, it's more of a mixed bag, depending on what kind of charcoal it is. Yeah. But okay. the composition isn't anywhere near like, you know, like diamond, which happens to be, as y'all said, in a certain sense, compressed charcoal over a very long amount of time and heat and pressure. Now, diamonds are so strong 
because of their actual like square uh, or like cube shape. Uh, the actual word for it is um, their it's tetrahedral. That's the way to put it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it makes a little tetrahedron. All these carbons have, I think, want to say four others to make a nice little cube for every uh, diamond molecule that it's all compacted together. This way it can take a lot of tensile strength, which is stretching or actual pressure on itself, which is compressing mm-hmm. and it can take heat. It's just a very, very hardy and hard material, <laughs> which is why that they have different sorts of tools that are uh, diamond engraved. They say like a diamond engraved, blah, 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 blah or a uh, diamond tip drill right? for cutting through some of the most, uh, the hardest materials possible. Titanium for one is they have to use a diamond tip drill and for cutting other diamonds. So in the classical sense, yes, the only material in the world that is readily available is diamonds that can cut other diamonds. So because it is else known can. to be not necessarily. Okay. That's where I want to bring it in. This okay. is where the Blaster Podcast episode comes in. In the past years, and I mean like 2009 on. Oh, so pretty recent. Yes. There have been other ways to arrange these allotropes of carbon. One of them is called graphene. Mm -hmm. And what's so amazing about graphene is that it is just a super fucking wacky material in the fact that it's one of the only, uh, aside from Tricky Dinks, I think I made that joke already, one of the only materials that expands when, uh, sorry, that uh, can just, I want to say, shrink when exposed to heat as opposed to expand. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, It is a superconductor, meaning that it is uh, during complete... uh, it might be room temperature one too. Superconductor essentially does not let any mag- f- magnetic flux in it, so it can actually levitate shit if in the right conditions when a, uh, a ma- a actual electrical field is uh, put into it. Right, powering it up. Yeah. Yes. Sorry if I'm like uh, kind of stuttering over this. I just didn't have to. I didn't look over those notes. Yeah, going okay. off the Top of the head right now. But anyway, it's going to be the next thing to probably replace silicon. Really? For transistors. Cool. Right now, most transistors are made of silicon. The yeah. problem is that Moore's law. Uh, every 18 months, uh, computer technology essentially doubles, but the problem is the small you make silicon to make these transistors is it comes to a certain level where it'll burn up. Yeah. Now, the interesting part about graphene as well is they're thinking about the fact that it has all these crazy, they can make bendable electronics with it. It can... I was going to say, that's Potentially more... make, like, wallpaper that emits light without light bulbs. Yeah. Um, if they're going to make a space elevator ever, if you're familiar with any of Arthur C. Clarke's works, they would make a space elevator out of graphene. And the way this is so interesting is because it is the closest thing to a 2D material that we have because it is made out of one single atomic layer sheet of graphite. The way it was discovered was with sticky tape. They actually took sticky tape and just like took a bit of graphite, put some sticky tape on it, and then kept putting sticky tape to that one and then that one and that one until they got a single layer of that graphite, which made graphene, which is extremely tensile. And even... They're, they're only just now discovering these crazy properties about it. Like, for one, is that it is the best bulletproof vest if you were to take literally two layers. Not one, not three, not any other number, but two. And if you were to shoot a bullet at it, it immediately tenses up and it has, like, about uh, three times the tensile strength of actual... Yeah, yeah, of, uh, graph- of diamond. Oh. Sorry, that's actually carbine that I'm thinking of, but it's still extremely strong when it wow. comes to actually comparing to diamond and uh, actually resisting any breakage. I've I've heard this being it's introduced. It's super lightweight, too. There's well, so many different things about graphene. That I was going to say, I've heard it being introduced more into cell phones, using that uh, for different processes. Oh, it's, it's coming. Yeah. Um, I, I forget what YouTube channel I follow, but it's something about cell phones because I like cell Eventually, phones. all yeah. transistors may be made out of graphene, and therefore all microprocessors will be made from primarily graphene. That's dope. Which will be amazing because also it's nearly zero heat wasted. It's all electrical conductivity. Yeah, that's really cool. That's what I meant to get to by superconductor. It doesn't uh, dissipate much heat at all. Just like you have light bulbs, we're now installing a bunch of like LED and CFL light bulbs because what they do is they save energy by only emitting light instead of heat. If you hold your hand near an incandescent light bulb, you're going to get the shit burn out of you. However, if you hold an LED bulb, you're going to have a few seconds till you start feeling the burn. Not even a few seconds, really. We use them a lot in the film industry, and for any LED to really throw off an appreciable amount of heat, um, I've had to use upwards of like 2K lights, like 2K equivalent. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, if you're using like my handheld bricks and those guys can throw off a lot of light, you'll never feel a thing. I could just sit there with my palm on the light and you'll feel zero. Really? There's not even a vent like 
There's not even like a fan in it. That's that. See, that's why we are switching to these bulbs. Yeah, LEDs. Like, give you an idea. On our sets, no one puts on gloves to move LED lights. Huh? Like, they, we don't even bother, and they can be battery powered. Meanwhile, I have an, yeah, that's another benefit too. Battery is yeah. huge. I have a really old film light when my dad was still doing photography. I think it's because it needs and less current or something I, or less voltage. I pointed it from about two feet away. But I'm stupid, Sana. At one of those snake fireworks, and it lit it on fire. Really? <laughs> yeah. Like what? that's how hot. So it was like, it was like a two or three K light. Yeah. Yeah. One of my friends lit a cigarette off of it. My um, buddy, um, the end of his hat caught fire because he stood too close to a M32, I think, like that. So those are like 15, 16Ks. So you can see uh, why there's a desire. Sorry, some gaffer this. out there screeching at me because I'm getting it wrong, but I know it was like a really, 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 really high wattage uh, big boy, and he was like 18 inches from it, and the end of his bill started smoking. That's Jesus. Nuts. Now, <laughs> now, just as Greg had demonstrated, you can understand why energy efficiency in terms of heat output is desirable absolutely so because you're not looking for heat on a film set you're just looking for the light but anyway why this is important for graphene is because potentially with this tensile strength it might also be able to cut diamond since it is and in fact stronger and more resilient depending on the conditions now i'm not saying they've they've tried this or anything but just from the research that i've seen it might be stronger than diamond so that means that it could possibly cut diamond yeah, better. Yeah, that's true. In a one-on-one. To take it even further, instead of graphene, another recent, uh, not invention, but discovery, is something called carbine. Which, you know how I said it's the closest thing to a 2D, 2D. material that we have? Because right. it still has a top and a bottom, though. That's the thing. Like, realistically, it's one atom thick. Carbine is actually single chains of graphene that are alternating chains of a carbon atom that has one bond between the two. So you're looking at it, it goes carbon, 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 carbon. The bonds between those, the atomic bonds they have, the covalent bonds right. are either, uh, or are they Van der Waals forces? I think they're covalent bonds. Anyway, uh, what they are is it's a carbon, a single bond between the next carbon, then a triple bond between the next carbon, then a single car- uh, bond, then a triple bond, single bond, triple bond. They've been able to make this the closest thing to one-dimensional that we can find. And these are super, super, super strong when it comes to the three times tensile strength of diamond. Like, they cannot be stretched almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's insane how durable these things actually are. We haven't even been able to scratch the surface, ha, 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 <laughs> on the actual uh, applications of this material because it's so new and also it's very costly to make. But if I was to give it another potential for being able to scratch diamond it'd be that ironically it's still technically in the realm of diamond because it's still another carbon element that we can cut it with yeah there's no other atom that you can take that would cut diamond it's kind of interesting to me that like something so prevalent in the world for the record organic organisms means that we are made up of carbon Mm -hmm. that is our primary building blocks yeah just about anything that's alive whether it be plant animal, virus. Um, as far as we know, there may be some extremophiles that are based off of silicon, they believe. But for the most part, carbon. That's why they have carbon dating. Yes, all that that too. Carbon is extremely useful. It's extremely prevalent. And it turns out it might be the strongest thing that we have. Hmm. So the answer to this, I would say, in our current understanding, and I'm not going to dock Snapple for this because this fact may have come out way before graphi- yeah. uh, graphene or carbine, I'm going to say it's false now. And they should retract it. Snapple, we need your accountability. <laughs> um, accountable. Greg, Josh, would you still put it in the true or false train? I mean, if at the time when it was printed, it was true. I can get behind that. For the record, I did not see any studies about them trying to scratch a diamond with something made and out I of And I think they have a carbine. qualifier on their site that says information may have changed. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I would, I, I think I'd give them a I pass I guarantee you they're not paying honest. anyone to update the Snapple Real Facts page, which, by the way, they have a dedicated page for all their Snapple uh, How about they just sign up to us on, like, the fucking $50 level for Patreon, and we'll do it for them. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, Snapple, like, hit us up. We will moderate those, and we'll add some. It's like, so there's four weeks in a month, so it's like, what, twelve fifty a week? Twitter? Don't harass Snapple. Encourage them. Um, I would put this in the true camp, though. Honestly, I mean, if if when if there's been nothing that's they've actually tried to cut diamond has been able to do it, then I'm if it hasn't been done yet, then I, I would put in the true cat. I hope that there are scientific publications in the future where there's just a checkbox at the bottom of it that says, "Can this material cut diamond?" Yeah. <laughs> and you just check yes or no at the end of it. 
<laughs> they have to do it every time. <laughs> or, or can you light it on fire? Like just a little, little rundown at the end. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. No, it turns out this new medicine for diabetics cannot cut through diamonds. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Jerry, can you get me a rundown? <laughs> All right, moving on to the next one. Uh, how's that rundown coming? Our next topic is going to be Snapple fact number 677. A full-grown tree produces enough oxygen to support a family of four. This is one of those Snapple facts that I fucking hate. I have one of them, too. Yeah, I mean, just, okay, number one, did you find the study? Yes. I found did. I found some numbers to back it up. Okay. But here's my question. A full-grown tree produces enough oxygen to support a family of four. Which tree? How big's the family of four? How physically big is the family of four? Exactly. Like, what what is entailed in this family of four? Like, is it four lions? It, is it four mice? <laughs> you never know. I feel like mice family are never anything less than fourteen. They're overlooked, man. We need to we we need to do some some charity work for the mouse family. They're not overlooked. We actively have poisons on the market to kill specifically mice. <laughs> but like. Okay, there are a multiple, multiple, multiple types of trees. At a least two that I know. A little bit of dark humor involving mice. Me and somebody else were talking about how you know there is ethic. There, are, there is testing ethics, especially if you have stuff like lab rats, right? Um, where generally you put down the test subjects after you're done with the experiment, yeah. usually because they're affected one way or another. But what if it's just like the mice that they do like makeup testing on? They just have to like kill them afterwards after I putting lipstick do. on them. I think they do. No, I think they do. Yeah. So, that's sad. Yeah, that, no, it's terrifying. I mean, would lipstick really deter their quality of life? Peter, don't ask us for a sponsorship. Oh, God, no. Um, okay, so we all know that trees produce oxygen, right? I think that's a pretty standard thing. Yeah. Okay. They convert carbon dioxide to it, oxygen. It's photosynthesis. I mm -hmm. think everybody knows Two things, okay? Everybody remembers two things from school. Do not say it. You've said it at least 16 <laughs> times on this podcast, okay? <laughs> Photosynthesis, and everybody knows the because of the this okay? My man. <laughs> I'm glad that's a thing now. I'm going to bleep that out. We got rid of bleeps. I'm still going to bleep that out. <laughs> but exactly how much oxygen does a tree produce? Well, dear listeners, like most things on this podcast, we have to get in the nitty-gritty a little bit, okay? So... There are different components to this answer, such as how old the tree is, the size of it, the location. I mean, those are three big things that I can think of off the top of my head. You I mean, you can't tell me that a tree in Antarctica is going to produce as much oxygen as a tree in Brazil. I'm just imagining the first Mars mission is one little capsule with a family of four huddled around a little bonsai tree, just like huffing it. <laughs> well, I mean... It won't last for long, and I'll get to that in a minute. So uh, you also have to factor in the weather, like I mentioned, because like most plants, they typically produce more oxygen in warmer climates than in colder climates. I mean, that, I didn't know that, but it, it makes, makes a lot of sense. Well, that's what I was going to say. It's not something I thought about, but when I read it, I'm like, yeah, I, I have no reason to believe otherwise. It makes complete sense to me. So the bottom line is that trees produce more oxygen than they consume which basically means that there has to be a net growth of oxygen in some capacity. So that way, you know, trees are very friendly. Uh, they give us a ton of oxygen and they're very helpful in that well, regard. When you say produce more oxygen than they consume, do you mean like their input of carbon dioxide results in a greater output of oxygen yes. by yeah, I'm weight? Sorry. Yeah. Yes, that's what I meant. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, that's just what I was trying to say because I mean, yeah. It, it makes that's, sense. That's though. cool. Yeah, it's awesome. And that's why trees are so cool and so important. Um but how much oxygen is enough for a family of four? And I went with four fellow humans because I didn't know what else to go with. So <laughs> did they set a family of four in a room and start slowly <laughs> reducing the oxygen until they passed out? They actually. So I can give you some mathematical numbers on this one. Okay? All right. So a human, a regular human, one of us inhales about nine and a half tons of oxygen a year. I I don't remember how they got that number, but I, I saw that they got it. Uh, the part you need to remember, though, is that oxygen only makes up about 23 percent of the mass in air. Right. All on board so far. Yes. Uh, we f we humans, fellow humans, only extract about one third of the oxygen from each breath. I did not know that part. Yeah, that was really cool. I learned that too. Um, so working this formula out, we breathe about 740 kilograms of oxygen a year. Okay? Okay. We're See, that almost doesn't sound like too much considering over a whole year and we are breathing literally every second that we are alive, except for when we're swimming. But if you think about how air 
needs to be compressed into 740 kilograms, mm-hmm. that is a shit ton. Yeah, absolutely. No, uh, that's literally the metric amount of a shit ton, 740 kilograms. Is it really? No. Oh. <laughs> it makes sense. Uh, so when it comes to trees producing air, your standard sycamore tree in a forest, uh, that's what I went with, you know, about a 40 foot tall sycamore tree, it releases about 100 kilograms of oxygen per year. Okay. So humans breathe about 740 kilograms. Mm-hmm. Sycamore produces about 100. So no, that's false. Well, if we're talking about for a year, they also didn't say how long. They say support a family. I took that as that family that goes to Mars and takes a bonsai tree with them. That's how they survive. Okay, that's fair. That's, that's how that's I a, took it. That's a fair stipulation. We're going to say it's an ongoing thing. That's what. I, that's how I took it. You know, it's a sustainability thing. And one person is 740, 740 kilograms. Right. One tree is 100. So, so you need about seven or eight trees in order to, you know. Yeah. You can probably skirt by with seven for one person. So now you need, what, 28 to 32-ish? Let's call it 30. Split and we're the talking difference. about sycamores? Yeah. Wow, okay. That, that, and that's the other point I was going to bring up, how big those bastards are. See, I would have gone by um, which one has the most uh, foliage on it. Because the tallest tree doesn't necessarily mean it has the most leaves. No, but I, so I went with the sycamore. Solely. No, it's a fair thing. Well, I, when you picture a forest, most of the time you're picturing a sycamore tree. You know? At least for me. And Being my from the south, it. I only imagine pine trees. Well. Because I fucking hate the drive through the south <laughs> to go to another state because it's all pine trees. That's fair. I have not seen one Bigfoot along the way. It would have been cool. You're not looking hard enough. The worst thing I've seen is a tiger in a cage at a gas station. What? Yeah. Uh, on the way to Florida from Louisiana, there's a, there's a tiger in a cage in front of a gas station. I don't know how to explain it any further. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so seven or eight trees per person per year is the basic number. So no, a <laughs> one tree cannot supply a family of four enough oxygen. So that is false. I would love to know what numbers they got. Come on, Snapple, get at me. But so I, this is going to be in the false category. Okay, good. We put them in their place where they need to be. Fucking right. Okay, so the next one we're going to move to is going to be Sample fact number 270, colors like red, yellow, and orange make you hungry. And I was so happy when Greg put this one on the table because I actually have written a paper on this way back in like 2010 during college or something. It was strictly about color psychology. And the answer is a lot more difficult than you would expect. And that should be a cliche thing at this point for us to say. But, you know, this one... There, it's worth trying to actually give a fair assessment to the to the claim. Statement for the class here. When I started thinking about all these fast food restaurants, a lot of them have red, yellow, or orange, or some combination. Or glad you asked. You know, McDonald's, Wendy's, Pizza Hut, Chick Fil A, KFC, Panda Express, Burger King. Uh, the list goes on and look, on and on and on and fair. on. Wait, let, let's pause right here. Chick Fil A doesn't need any help. Okay, they're making a killing. Doesn't They're, matter if you don't need any help. Every they, little bit counts. Canes. That's another one I thought of. Rallies. I didn't put canes in there. Rallies, Arby's. Those are checkers. Those are, yeah, yeah. Those all have some version of red or even Popeyes. Now, if we talk about orange, because that mm-hmm. has that. Pretty much every one of them. You know what? Let's think of a fast food restaurant that doesn't have red, orange, or yellow in it. Taco Bell. They have yellow in theirs and red. Okay. In the bell, they have purple oh, okay. in there too. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Burger King has red and orange for the buns. Yeah, I, I, dude, I'm blanking. I ain't got one. It's it's difficult. Yeah, like at least in some shape or way. But of I'm, course, we're looking for it, so it might be a little bit of a confirmation bias. And, I, and I'm talking about like I'm thinking of like major chains as well. I'm not thinking of your local mom and pop. I was thing. gonna say Subway, but they have yellow. Yeah, you know, I think green kind of counteracts that. Though we'll get into that though. So this is used commonly in marketing. As you know, marketing is a very fascinating field, believe it or not, As although it sounds like terrible. Marketing there is a lot that you can throw into it that makes that incorporates almost every field of science in order to get somebody to buy some shit. Well, I was going to say, it's a lot of psychology when it comes to marketing. Like, very much so. I, I, I find it really fascinating. Like If you're going to be a marketing major, just go for psychology. Yeah, I will say, if you are <laughs> going to be in the psychology field, you may as well not worry about being a psychologist and be a marketer. Yeah. Uh, you can use that to your advantage. Mm-hmm. Now, here's where it gets a little bit hazy. 
There have been multiple experiments over the years paid by a lot of different marketing firms to find out what colors are most effective in selling things. And I even listened to a... uh, Colors can be used for multitudes of purposes. Now, some of them are confirmed to work in very specific ways. Like, for instance, there is something called Go Away Green, which was I listened to on, uh, I think it was uh, Stuff They Don't Want You to Know or uh, How Stuff Works, one of the ones on on the network. And it's a color that was invented, in air quotes, by Disney that was used to make things like power boxes... And, like, water stations completely disappear from the scenery right in front of your fucking face. Most of the trash cans are that color. Yeah, it's Not like, yeah, back it's it. called Go Away Green, but it's really like Pantone something, something, something. Mm-hmm. Um, there has even been a certain experiment with something called Baker's Pink, which was used in a prison experiment. Not the Stanford one, where... Uh, <laughs> that that might have gone a little different. There was an attempt to make a calming color, like the most calming color possible. And one researcher decided to... They decided this is the most calming color. So in collaboration with the prison, decided to paint the cell walls in this prison with this color. And they markedly decided that it actually reduced aggression and violent tendencies in prisoners. However, their practicing methodology, their their study methodologies were not exactly airtight. Did they put asbestos in the paint to get everybody fucked up? No. Uh, they did not do anything of that sort. They just had bad ways of recording things. Number one, they didn't have a control group. They oh. didn't have something like a blue or purple or yellow room right. as comparison. Um, and also, they only compared the the violent tendencies from the previous year to the year with the pink. So mm. it's kind of a skewed result. They yeah. didn't have in tandem results. Data. Yes. Or at least not the right data. Yeah. So that didn't work. That was in the 60s. However, you know, a lot of studies ran with that and decided to keep working with different colors. And it came to the idea that red, yellow, and orange, particularly red, elicits excitement or speeds up the heart rate or gets you into a more um, aggressive tendency. There's even been a particular experiment where they have given poker players all the same amount of chips in this experiment where they were betting at a table together. But they found out that empirically, the ones that were given red chips of the same value as the white and the blue were more likely to be more aggressive in their bets. So let me ask you this, because this is something my dad has told me my entire life is to never buy a car that is red because Uh, you're more likely to get a speeding ticket and insurance rates are higher and your insurance rates are higher. Do you think that's more? Do you think that's more of the red catches your attention? I think that's more of the actual optical value of because red is a very jaunting color that you will notice before just about any other else. Or could it be as the driver, you're seeing this red car in front of you and it's making you more aggressive to speed. I think it's a also, uh, I mean, you see both sides of it though, huh? You're, you're in the car though. It's not like you have a third, third a bird's eye view of you driving the car and it's red. And you're like, fuck yeah, I'm in a red car. I'm yeah, driving the it, fuck out of it. But it doesn't matter. If you're looking out the windshield, you still see that red hood in front of you. <laughs> you're assuming like it's a bull driving a car and it has red in front of it at all times. So no. it's just chasing after that red hood. But I'm but, still saying but, that red is in your vision. That's my point. I think it's more of just the same way that you will probably see just as many pullover rates for a lime green car. Let's ask Currency. He has one. Also, Currency bought out the Bud's World in City Park. He a saint um did he really yes god bless him and also like a bright yellow car those things are a usually in nature colors of danger or meant to attract something or repel something Mm -hmm. you're gonna notice that over a green or a blue or uh just a black car i think that it's more of a catches the eye easier type of situation So that goes back to the marketing yes the catching the eye might be the issue Mm -hmm. however making you hungry that is up for debate uh, something that I need to bring into this is that with color psychology, it is not one size fits all. No. There are very many cultural, environmental, and biological biases for color interpretation and what it does to you as a person biologically. Like colorblindness. There's one thing like that. But <laughs> I mean just like gender or you know what I mean. Just I, I know. It. Yeah, I got you. I, I'm not meaning to be offensive. It's just whatever you... Uh, <laughs> Whatever hormones are rushing through you most is probably going to affect it, number one. Um, <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. I'm nice really save. not trying to offend anybody. Nice save. Uh, cultural and then environmental. For instance, the, something that they noted in that poker competition was that people of Scandinavian uh, uh, 
descent, descent were much more likely to use red and make that made them more aggressive than people of say an eastern background or an african background huh. uh because red holds different meanings so it's less like colors. instinctual or genetic it's 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 learned it is a nature versus nurture thing yeah, so it's, the it's, deal it's is nurtured the balances are so much different depending on so many different factors uh, for instance, uh, as I was to say here, it's hard to really do a controlled independent situation. Let's go with cultural. Uh, there is a whole website that I have obviously in the show notes that you can read about just the effect of color across different cultures and countries. And I'm just going to go with, I picked one arbitrarily, the color green. Green has traditionally been forbidden in Indonesia, whereas in Mexico, it's a national color that stands for independence. In it's the, part of their flag. Yes. In the Middle East, green represents fertility, luck, and wealth, and it's considered the traditional color of Islam. In Eastern cultures, green symbolizes youth, fertility, and new life, uh, but can also mean infidelity. In fact, in China, green uh, green hats are taboo for men because it signals that their wives have committed adultery. I don't know why they would make the men. Why would they have a cucking hat for men? It's just like it's like a reverse scarlet letter. Yeah, it's, it, that's exactly say, what it is. I was gonna say the the green hatter. But the idea of a scarlet letter shows our cultural attachment to red as it is as a Western culture. Ah. It's a red letter. I got you. So I don't know how true that green hat thing is, but as you can see, colors can mean so many different things. Like, for instance, and for us, uh, the color black is usually meant to be more like of a morbid or omen type of uh color whereas in africa it can represent male masculinity or vigor or even just vitality it's not seen as taboo as others what color black oh okay what neutral okay you're not pulling that on no okay no 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 um but anyway i think he's legitimately asking (laughs) yeah (laughs) i wish i would have though damn there's tons of that. And it turns out that in, from the uh, actual upbringing in terms of biological, men are considered to, in most studies, prefer warm colors like yellow, orange, red, things that make you think of fall or summer. However, women as a whole in uh, statistics have, seen, have been known in surveys to prefer cool colors like blues, light greens, more white colors. You know, it's just, it's, you get the idea between hot and cold colors, especially even in film. It may not be an empirical thing, but there are hot and cold colors that you use in the filming process. Everything we do, we basically talk about tungsten or daylight. And like, that's literally the colors on the Kelvin scale. But it's like, watch a movie like Drive. It's very color motivated, very obvious. Um, Scenes are usually all very orange or all very blue. And so that's like a very deliberate action intended to to uh, elicit a certain response. You know, you know what I'd like to do. I think I just got a good Patreon episode idea. Hmm. Talking about colors involved with movie posters. That'd be cool. Yeah, I think, just like graphic design. Yeah, just like or you see a lot of these movie posters rehash the same stupid shit for the movie poster all the time, and um, like you see like the green, the the blues and the oranges together. Or um, you know, or a number of things, but just like Fuck it. I would colors. love to do like a mini Patreon series on just different marketing techniques, whether it be common tropes in movie posters where they're standing to just like how commercials do certain things. That, yeah. That'd be fun. Marketing is fun. Uh, let us know how you feel, patrons. Anyway, and not mar- the rest of you plebs. We don't care about your <laughs> and, opinions. And uh, and marketers, if you if you want us to market your product, get at us. <laughs> <laughs> so. Now let's spot focus this to Western culture and more particularly the United States because that's where we're from and we're selfish. Yeah. So let's go with uh, all right. So based on evidence that the color red elicits avoidance, this is from NTBI by the way. Okay. Uh, based on evidence that uh, color red elicits avoidance and motivation across contexts from uh, one particular study in 2009, two studies investigated the effect of the color red on snack food and soft drink consumption. In line with our hypothesis, participants actually drank less from a red-labeled cup than from a blue-labeled cup. That was study one. That's not in the South, though, because everybody prefers Coke over Pepsi. We can get we can discuss that one. <laughs> we can suss that out. Uh, and ate less snack food from a red plate than a blue or white plate. That was another study. The results suggest that red functions as a subtle stop signal that works outside of focused awareness and thereby reduces incidental food and drink intake. So... It's kind of crazy when you think about it because uh, this is saying the exact opposite of what the Snapple fact is suggesting. Yeah, stoplight. Yeah, not only that, it may elicit hunger, but it's also a thing of urgency, like Target, like the sales, although the blue light special at Kmart seems to be 
well, Kmart's tanking, so I guess it definitely didn't work for them. <laughs> I was going to say it didn't work out too well. I've also read another thing where it said that, you know, for a while, a lot of restaurants used to use bright colors. And I think of McDonald's very specifically when I think of this in the 90s. They used to use reds, yellows, and oranges, not only because it's their color logos, but because it is almost an unwelcoming color uh, scenario that gets people in and out of the restaurant fast. This has only gone away recently, and you can look at Taco Bell, you can look at Wendy's. I think McDonald's is the only one that has kind of not fallen into the fray, but there have been a lot of remodels inside and outside of restaurants to get rid of those bright, obnoxious colors with the rise of fast, casual food. See, I, I wanted to There's bring a up. different marketing take where people want people to stay in and feel a little bit more welcome. That way they can kind of have the justification to raise the prices for some of their food or make it seem a little bit higher than just standard fast food. And make them more comfortable with spending more, um, as opposed to what they used to do back then, which is just in, out, in, out, you know. And Taco Bell bucked that trend with the vaporwave aesthetic. Yeah, very true. <laughs> I mean, I love it, honestly. Yeah, I do, too. Uh, but, and kind of going into that, like, more of a welcoming thing, how many of these places now offer free Wi-Fi? Very true. You know, just another another point to get you to stay in there. For a while, McDonald's had, like, exclusive, uh, like, content for pokemon i want to say it was either uh black and white or sun and moon mm-hmm. no it definitely wasn't sun and moon uh but it was your red it was black and white or x and y where if you were at a mcdonald's wi-fi you could download a certain pokemon exclusively from That's that cool. area yeah it was it was interesting so they're trying to be more inviting so it shows that also time is a factor in this like what time frame you're talking about where these colors would have affected people in yeah. a certain way because things change culturally. So I'm going to say, on the whole, no, this isn't true. It may be true for a small subset of people in a small subset of location and a small subset of biological preference in a small subset of time frame. But as a blanket statement, no. Yeah. I would say this is completely false. Nice. That's my last long Snapple fact deep dive. The last two I'm pissed off about, so I'll let, I'll just cleanse the palate with you. Let's move on. I'm going to be talking about Snapple fact number 744 now. Polar bears can smell a seal from 20 miles away. I hear they can smell the menstruation. <laughs> That's what I thought of. That's exactly what I thought of. My first thought about this is that how did they test this? Um, did they just like get a bowler bear? It's keeping him one bowler bear, bowler bear, bowler bear, bowler bear, and then a Shriner bear too. <laughs> uh, so they had a polar no bear in one location, and they just went incrementally one mile each away with the researcher and just slaughtered a seal right there, like one mile away, two mile away, three mile away, and saw if they elicited the polar bear's attention. I, I didn't do this research study, so I can't <laughs> wait to hear the logical reason of why somebody figured this out. Um. I think it's a little bit more simpler than that. I don't know if they did that. They might have, um, but it's and also a, I'm assuming it's a dead seal that they can smell from tw- uh, from 20 miles away. No, okay, it's a live seal. That just seems inefficient. No, no, it's not. It's completely efficient. <sighs> Let me get to it, Ryan. Yeah. Okay. So first off, polar bears are dope. Let's go with that. I like polar bears. Don't eat a polar bear's liver. You will die. Yeah. Oh yeah. I did want to actually bring that up. So thank you. Uh, we talked about that. Vitamin A point. poisoning. Yeah, there we go. Uh, so polar bears are top of the food chain. Or is vitamin E? Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Don't just, just don't eat polar bears. Let's start with that. Uh, they're the top of the food chain. They have no natural enemies. They shit on top of everyone else, except for some very lost and confused Antarctic explorers. Well, I was going to say they they just wreck shit out there drinking Coca Cola. That's what they do with their pastime. So when it comes to the sense of smell, though, is this true? And the answer is yes. Yeah, it's absolutely true. And the reason being they know it to be true is that someone somewhere was watching a polar bear and saw because polar bears use wind direction. They use their nose more than they use their eyes and their ears. Their nose is way more important. So they use the wind direction to guide them to their food because they can go like 10 days without eating. Like they're they're really, really cool. They're no giraffe, but they're really cool. (laughs) What makes a giraffe cooler than a polar bear? I don't know, but what qualify? No-, no, this is you. This is you deciding this. I mean, giraffes don't look like something that should be real. They they got huge necks. 
fair point. I feel like the first time any like explorers that went back to the West from Africa, yeah, nobody like showed them. somebody a picture of a giraffe and they're like, get the fuck out of here. That's not real. Like, like it's that that meme that's been going around is like, what's more believable, a horse with a with a horn sticking out the middle of its head, like a unicorn, or like this forty foot long necked horse? Yeah, that's true. Or a um, beaver that has a duck bill and also it's poisonous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but and let's nip venomous. This the, I'm sorry. Well, let's nip this in the bud real quick. All of them are inferior to camels. All of oh, them. Oh, camels are by far okay. the coolest animal. We've established that. Okay, I'm just gonna make sure. Greg raised up his fist and I guess a camel power gesture. Yeah. Hey. Okay. <laughs> so they. The polar bears. I was more like cheering in support. Uh, but okay. Can, I'll allow it either we way. We can go with that. Um, <laughs> they use wind direction f- to hunt their food. So they will wait for the wind direction to come and they'll smell. And then that will dictate where they go next to find their next bit of prey. Interesting. Yeah. And they follow the wind and that's what usually leads them to their next meal. So they're better than fucking toucans. So if there was like a seal based cereal, like a seat. Celios? No, Cineseals. Cinnamon-flavored seal-shaped cereal. Just call it Celios. What would Celios? No, because then it'd just be O-shaped seals. And it's got to be shaped like seals. And they're cinnamon-flavored. Okay. Yeah, I, th- I think I think Cineseals would be better. Yeah. I, we just talked about marketing, okay? okay. okay. Trust me. <laughs> I, I, okay, I'll allow it. And Petey Polar is the mascot. Okay, okay. <laughs> Uh, so polar bears have <laughs> Paul the polar bear. <laughs> they have more olfactory nerve endings than other animals, so that's what allows them to do this. Their brain is more dedicated to process olfactory signals than its other signals, so that's why they use their nose more than their eyes, their ears, and stuff like that. So I've used this comparison before, but the way that we detect a lot of chemicals inside of what we're eating, such as pesticides, like with my line of work that I did mm-hmm. was that it would be by something called GCMS gas chromatography. It breaks things into very tiny bits and it can tell you by the parts per billion, or if you have the right equipment parts per trillion of something that is in a certain amount of like air or a liquid sample. If you can think about how ridiculous that is, because noses are essentially the organic GCMS. It's still used for stuff like olive oil testing for rancidity. If you can think about how dilute the scent of a seal is 20 miles down wind and how many nerve endings and how accurate those have to be for a polar bear, that just drops my fucking jaw to yeah, the ground. It's incredible. Um, it's, it's an evolutionary trait that they developed over thousands of years for survival. So that's how it came to be. A larger portion of brain mass is especially dedicated to process input from its sense of smell, the olfactory lobe. Um, and it's further supported by a large nose that is capable to pick and identify the least intensity of a smell. So they can just smell it with no problem, basically. So it's like yeah, it's like their own dousing rods, pretty much. Like it's just like like it's like a metal detector yeah. for seals. Uh, and not only that, their nose is so strong that they can even smell seals their breathing holes from more than half a mile away inside the ice. Breathing holes. Yeah, seals have breathing holes. Yeah, mouths. Yeah. Okay, just <laughs> do they breathe through anything else, like their ears or something? I, I didn't look that up. I just saw breathing hole. Greg, you want to look up a seal breathing hole just to make sure it's not just a mouth? Yeah. Because I'm a little bit interested in seal facts now, too. I didn't come prepared with any of those, but... You didn't see the word breathing hole and then question that a little bit? No, because I, th- I think I was thinking of a dolphin. <laughs> Shut your fucking breathing hole. <laughs> so, if I had to guess that there's some seals that have breathing holes, not all of them. Not all seals are made equally. I know whales and dolphins have blowholes, but they have suck holes, too. Because that's for blowing out, just specifically... Or what? Can they breathe in? That's actually a good question. Yeah, I was gonna say. Can they only breathe out of blowholes, or can they breathe in? I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's not like a. We're really showing our smartness uh, yeah. through this. This is all based on us researching on the moment. Leaves our heads as soon as we finish recording. Yeah, too. absolutely. Guarantee it. Greg, you have anything on? Although all the all the search results pull up about how they can hold their breath for so long and try to do holes in the ice to breathe. I can't like all the search terms are kicking up the wrong stuff. So a breathing hole is like a hole in the ice that they come up out of. Oh, okay. But I am That's curious do they breathe. Is. I'm actually searching do they breathe out of their mouths? I actually don't know. I'm assuming they do, no, but I y'all think, make me I think breathing hole is the the hole. Is that what it's referring? I'm guessing that's what it's yeah. referring to. 
Oh my because god! All the so searchers just... are pulling that up because they'll go under the ice and they can hold their breath for extremely long periods of time, and then they pop up. So the polar bear, that actually makes a lot of sense because the polar bears can just fucking trap the seals right then and there when they go up to breathe. Yeah, in the context oh. of this, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, well let's let's go with that. Let's just let's like, just run with that fact right there. I, I still think we need to keep. Mouses. All right, guys, I get Snapple uh, taught us something real. Huh? I think we need to keep breathing holes as referred, you know, referring to mouths as breathing holes. Though I just want to go with that. All right, so uh, given the fact that I actually think that Josh's topic is much more interesting than the one that I was going to cover for our lanyaps, uh, go ahead and uh, you cover it, Josh. Yeah. You, let's let you take this bonus one for right now. Yeah. Not even bonus. This is Snapple Fact number 993. Powerful earthquakes can make the earth spin faster. This is 100% true. I was going to say it's 100% bullshit. But nope. It is 100% true. Okay. In oh, March of two- Okay. Never mind. I'll just let you continue on. Okay. In March of 2011, there was an earthquake in Japan that registered as an 8.9 on the Richter scale. That was the Fukushima Daiichi earthquake, I believe. I'm not sure about that, but I... And it's also the one that caused the events of JoJo and the part eight of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Everybody well, start watching it, please, right now. That's what's important in life. Um, so the intense trembler had accelerated the Earth's spin, uh, so shortening the length of the 24-hour day by 1.8 microseconds. Okay, so that's more reasonable to me. Yes, uh, th- and that was according to geophysicist Richard Gross at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory in Pasadena, California. Gross. Yeah, so... It's not like an earthquake is going to shave minutes off your day or hours or anything. It's microseconds. Okay. So, yeah, something that you wouldn't even notice. You don't even have the time to blink in a microsecond. No. No, it's nothing you'll notice, but it's technically true. Uh, One of the things you have to remember is that Earth is rotating constantly. Again, I don't think I have to announce that to anyone uh, or the fact that it's round. A microsecond is a millionth of a second. Just want to go ahead and throw that one out there real quick. Um, So by the Earth rotating constantly, that's how we get, you know, this day and night thing that we got going on. I'm pretty used to that. So as the Earth rotates, it actually wobbles a tiny bit due to the imbalance of the planet. Wobble, wobble, won't you torque it, torque it. And and part of the reason that it wobbles is that, that imbalance of ice caps melting, glaciers melting, things of that nature. You know, there's a whole bunch of factors into it, but it does tend to shake a little bit. So when the earthquake hit, the momentum of the earth, 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 earth shifted a tiny bit, which caused a small disturbance in mass distribution, which is the reason why the day was short. Okay, that makes complete sense to me now. Yeah, but it's still cool. Yeah. It's still really cool. So it's not like it was this big shift or anything significant. Like you said, most of us won't even realize it. You blink and it, you blink and you're already past it. Um, but it does give some valuable information, though. Which I, this is the part that I find cool um, to not only our planet to other planets going forward. And you got to think something like this: if we want to go to Mars and we want to land at this specific set of coordinates, this specific point, right? We need to make sure that our trajectory on Earth is just right. Because if we launch launch something from Earth to land on Mars, we need to make sure that the actual starting point is where it should be or else we will completely miss Mars altogether. Yeah, it's a lot of tricky math right there. Yeah. And the fact that they were able to shoot people to the moon on like less processing power and actual lines of coding. Actually, no, it might be more lines of coding than Pong. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They uh, they had There's a picture the other day of the girl who wrote um the code for the the apollo mission she was a woman josh oh whatever <laughs> the woman girl whatever the lady okay gotcha Dick bag. um and the stack of books with the code in it was taller than her yeah you know so that that's just really mind-blowing but yeah it's not anything major as far as the t- as time shifting but it still technically is true. And there's a lot of information, like I mentioned, that we can get from it. So it's a cool little fun Snapple fact. So it's 100% true. See, the amazing part to me about it is that it's kind of like a, the idea that a self-contained system is able to add, like speed itself up regardless of any other external stimuli, uh, that being the Earth itself. You right. know, If you look at it as a system, it's kind of hard for you to kind of move your momentum a little bit faster without a little bit of like a... Uh, energy pull it's just weird to me i'm trying to think of a cool analogy of it but just think of like i guess putting a a quarter inside of a two-layered ball 
and then like you try to slow it down a little bit or the, somehow the quarter speeds up in there and hits the wall inside of there and just kind of pushes it forward a tiny bit mm-hmm. to make it go faster. It, I, it really makes no sense the way I said it just now. But anyway, I it, think you're hinting on one of uh, Newton's theories. It's like a traffic jam. Yeah. Like essentially, you know, due to that momentum, like, you know, one car hitting the one in front of it will make the one three in front of it move eventually through just bumping into each other. Well, for every action, there's an equal, equal and opposite reaction. Yeah. Yeah. It's just this, that extra little push that's not from the system. So it's, it's a really cool factoid. Now I'm wondering if there's a chance of making the day slower. I don't know how you would do that. Because it sped up the day by like a microsecond, right? If, if I guess if you shifted the balance of the earth another way, it might. Yeah. Only Superman can do that. Well, Superman sucks. Yeah. Suck at Jack's trades. Well, think about every time if an earthquake happened, over a million earthquakes, okay, we'd only be off on the calendar by a second, so I guess that wouldn't be that big of a deal. Yeah. But whatever, you know, in the long scheme of things. It, it'll make a difference at some point, huh? Um, so I think that's all we got today for our Snapple facts. Well, let's go through and let's do our, our recap. Yeah. Okay. So uh, my first one, there have only been three Olympic, ga- Olympic games held in countries that no longer exist. That's true. Yeah. By technicality. Um, the only thing that can scratch a diamond is a diamond. I would say now it is not true. I still put it as true because it hasn't been attempted yet and nothing's been able to do it. They have not amended this fact yet, so I'm going to call bullshit on them. Okay. Uh, a full That's grown... why they need people to check up on it and update their facts and keep them real time. I can't disagree with that. A full-grown tree produces enough oxygen to support a family of four. That's false. And then finally for me, colors like red, yellow, and orange make you hungry. Yes, if you are a particular group of people, but in the wide range of things, no. It's, it, the does gener- not, it does not work in marketing all throughout the world. The general you is Can false. we have the citation be your paper? <laughs> oh, my God. That'd be hilarious. Um, my, my last two, polar bears can smell a seal from 20 miles away. That is true. And a powerful earthquake can make the earth spin faster. That is also true. So we got a lot of truth buckets here. Yeah, but I thought I thought we did a really good job with the false ones, at least giving our reasons why it's false. Uh, and really, I, I like that even though, like with the diamond one, it's still kind of hazy. But for the most part, we were able to narrow down and like hone in on giving you guys a specific answer, which I love. I know it's not always easy when we do this podcast, but... You know, I think I think we did a good job. So good job by both of you. So let's pop open one last Snapple cap and find out where people can reach us, Greg. <laughs> oh That's God. good. That's good. That was well done. I um, hate it. I want. I'm going to cut that. As <laughs> poor usual, you can find us at rumorfliespodcast.com, at rumorflies on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com/slash/rumorflies. We are on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. We are on everything that you could possibly want. Uh, we have our RSS feed in the description if you want to plug that in directly. Google Plus has failed us. We are doomed. Um, and Data my Oh, patreon.com slash rumorflies. If you love the show, we have, I believe, 13 bonus episodes up now. We have that many? Mm-hmm. We started this around, we started those in uh, January of last year or February of last year. Oh, man. So that means you're talking, what, that's like 300 minutes, so it's like six hours or so of bonus content, just that. The shit we say on that <laughs> Patreon feed can get us arrested. That's how much you want to hear these. And for a long time, one little fun fact I wanted to mention earlier, but I didn't find a good moment to was we actually have a bunch of the like old snap judgment sections we used to do. Those are on the website. So there's like a bunch of like write-ups we did for a while is one of our earlier Patreon things that we started slowly releasing out just for public. Um, If you go to our website and there's, there's a page called snap judgment. And it has a bunch of these. So if you'd like to just like read a bunch of these and see some of the like funnier things, Josh did kind of an offbeat one that wasn't a Snapple one, but about the gang problem Disney has. True story. Yeah. Uh, there's like some really fun stuff we wrote. I like to think they're fun. I, I was even thinking about this the other day. Didn't I do one about movie recommendations or something? Like three movies you need to see before you die or something? Uh, I can't remember. I'm pretty the top sure of my head. I, I did. I, I don't know. I kind of mixed it you up a little bit. You did two that were not Snapple. I know yeah. that. And on the topic, Buck the trend. Uh, on the topic of Snap Judgment, uh, for our Patreon three dollar level, we're changing it up. Yeah, yeah. So as y'all know, we kind of like stopped that, and we did not charge a couple of times as kind of a to be you know fair about it. Um, but we have come up with a new one. We just thought the Snap Judgment kind of run its course. 
Uh, it was just not fun anymore. And honestly, as much as we want to give you all cool things, we also want the Patreon to be fun for us or else we're going to be completely unmotivated. Exactly. So, so we're introducing a new segment um, where I believe we're calling it Lanyap, even though technically it's not Lanyap, but we're calling it Lanyap. <laughs> uh, and we're basically going to do a small expansion. We're not carving content off an episode we're going to kind of have like off it's not dlc yeah it's it's kind of like offbeat stuff like say we had a topic about you know uh, some sort of space topic and then there was this really interesting thing about boosters that really wasn't relevant we'd be like hey i read this really cool thing about ion boosters or whatever in the future of that and i just want to talk about that for five minutes you know that's that's kind of what it's going to be so uh be on the lookout for that so that means we'll have two different tiers of bonus audio content yeah. so i hope people like that please let us know if you do uh yeah so for this episode of rumor flies i'm ryan i'm josh and i'm greg bye, bye.